My name is Larry Hoover Jr. and I am the son of Larry Hoover. Larry Hoover is a political prisoner. He is known as the leader of the Gangster Disciples. He's known as the leader of the movement Growth and Development. I was curious to learn. I was I was I was um sort of surprised to learn the journey that your father went through by being incarcerated at first when he was 21 years old and then later on sent to the Supermax prison. But if you want to touch on what you think influenced him to gravitate towards the street life early on in his life. Well, he tells me that he gravitated towards street life from, well, before it came to lack of education, just those were the people that he seen, the people that were successful. You know, he had friends that had families that were in the street, family members that were in the street. You know, the people that were around him that looked successful were people that were in the street. It was the pimps and the hustlers. And that's what made him, helped him gravitate towards the streets. Like back in the day as a kid, they would actually hustle to make money to come home and help the family. And when I say hustle, I don't mean illegal activity at that point. I mean, just working, doing odd jobs, taking out garbage, just whatever type of things they could do to make a few dollars. But as time went on and he was in school and he was dyslexic, school wasn't, didn't come easy to him. And with him not doing well in school, he kind of moved on to other things. What was the first sort of arrest for? Like, why, why did that occur initially? You mean his first, the first case that he's locked up for, or because I don't really know what the first arrest was. I'm quite sure he has a long rap sheet. But <laughs> as far as his first case, it's um, it was that he made the call for a murder, and they gave him like some hundreds of years. But the understanding that we had for murder at that time was that he did like 11 years for murder. But the 11 years never came. 11 years came and went, came and went, came and went. And then they gave him another case. His actual rapper on the case that said that he committed the murder, he was released. My father wasn't released. So for giving the call for the murder, you know, he's still fighting that case to this day, along with his federal case. So if he's released, we're going to say when he's released from his federal case, he still has to deal have to deal with a state case that somebody was 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 released on from already. So why do you think his the why do you think the stance towards him seems so unfair? I really believe that the stance seems so unfair for him just because his influence, because he's influential and. He understood that his power in numbers and he could bring people together and he was using his power to bring people together. They're never going to say that. They're going to say he was just running the streets, but he kind of modeled himself or was trying to model himself off of Mayor Daly. They were part of the Hamburgs. That was a game. And he pulled his people together and they got into politics and I really believe when he said that he seen what Daly did and he wanted to try to do the same thing and then he showed proof that he may actually be able to do the same thing. I think that's what scared the city of Chicago. Like we would have to answer to these people 
And he knows that if we come together, we can be a power to be reckoned with. And I just think that understanding right there is a problem. You know, he's bringing together the youth that nobody can deal with, that's not listening to the powers that be or what have you. He, he's bringing those guys together. Nobody can get those guys together too easily. So I think that's what scared him. Right. On top of that, people were following behind the movement because it was a good thing. If you're getting people together and getting them to vote and take on issues in our community that they could, couldn't get the manpower to deal with, now you had the churches and the Ottoman and everybody latching on like, well, let's do it. And that was turning into a big thing. So I really believe that was a problem. Along with that, um, I've heard you mention, you know, there were several different things he did in the community, um, organizing marches and leading people. I think the ability to lead, especially, you know, a demographic that is hard to control or deal with um, is very powerful. And if you want to talk about some of the other ways that he led in the community or impacts that he made in the community. Well, mainly they didn't let his his movement grow to what it should have been. <laughs> Once the movement got going, like the 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 biggest marches that he did was he shut down City Hall and he shut down the stock market. He was marching for health centers in the community that they were trying to shut down. He was he was marching about some schools they were trying to shut down. Like he got the guys together to find like serial rapists in the community. And without it really being like public knowledge to everybody, they were keeping a lot of the murders down in the streets because it was a structure and understanding that that we wasn't going to have it. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't the police that was out here keeping the murders down at that time. It was the guys in the street that was trying to keep the peace. You know, it wasn't, it doesn't help anybody to, for the whole neighborhood to be in the uproar or the whole city to be in uproar like like it is now it wasn't like that they blame what's going on now because of him but when he was able to communicate this wasn't going on and he built that respect through his own organization and through other organizations you know guys go to jail they have to figure out how to live together and so by him showing respect and learning how to live with other guys from different organizations you know, they became friends and they understood each other and nobody wanted to see the murders and the killings keep happening. So they got respect for him because he had the power, you know, pretty much to be a jerk and he could push on people. But he figured if you work together and show love to each other, things will work out a lot better. As he likes to say, you catch more bees with honey than you do with shit. So he gave honey and was fair and he got that respect from everybody, not just his own organization. And that's how he was able to put things together. That also goes along with, you know, changing the meaning of the initials to growth and development uh, from Gangster Disciples. What was the vision that he had that he wasn't able to carry out? Well, his vision was bringing individuals that were in the street into society. You know, being an outcast of society, you're going to keep being treated as outcast. You're not going to be able to make any change. So, Roping development is a blueprint of what his life was. You know, he was an individual that couldn't read. That, like I said, he was dyslexic. So mm -hmm. school didn't come easy. So once he found out that he could read and that he could do math, he seen that 
that was part of his problem. He, he, he couldn't focus on taking in information, but once he started taking in information, he's saying that you can learn and do anything. So through books, you know, he became like a, a scholar. You know, anything that he was interested in, he found out that you can get the book and find out how to do it or how to get into whatever business that he wanted to get into. So now through education, I can be an entrepreneur. I can start a clothing company. I can start a, a water company. I can do anything that I want to do. All you have to do is be educated or at least have the, the foundation to learn how to read and go get yourself the information that you need. So this thing through growth and development was making the change that you needed to move forward in life. When you come to that fork in the road, you can go left or you can go right. You go left, you're going to dead. I mean, you're going to jail. You're going to get killed. You're going to be in a wheelchair. You know, if you go right, you know, you can become a part of society and you can keep making the efforts to go further. Wherever you're at, you can always make an effort to go further. But once you go left, you are, it's out of your control. So this whole thing with that is that, you know, a lot of the ways that we have learned and thought that we should um, relate and deal with each other in the street, it wasn't getting us anywhere. Like it's, the results are going to be the same. If you keep doing the same thing and looking for different outcomes, they call that insanity. So he feels like a lot of guys were dealing with insanity. So saying, let's try something different. Let's do it a different way. And also through the numbers, we can support each other's businesses. You know, if you've got an organization of 10,000, 20, 100,000 people, and you've got businesses within the organization, everybody can support each other and everybody can grow. You can make Absolutely. communities like that. No, that's a really powerful thing. And he even structured, you know, his sort of life in the street in a corporate way. Everything was orderly. Yeah. And um, if you want to speak on, you know, some of the elements of leadership that you've seen from him, what do you think allowed him to be an efficient leader in the community? You know, I believe that it's, um, I think it came naturally. He had a strong moral basis. He just had an understanding of being fair and being a man of his word. Like, I think that's basically what put it together. You know, he had a, he had the ability to also have a firm hand. You know, he started out as a, when he couldn't read, he started off as a fighter. So when people would talk about the fact that he couldn't do his work, it was like the biggie song, blouse, shut your mouth. But, you know, so you had to be tough guys back then. You didn't have to be a shooter. You got your reputation from being a tough guy. A tough guy had to be able to use his hands. And that's part of how he got to be who he was. But on top of that, with being able to be a tough guy, and knowing how to respect people and knowing what he would want people to do to him, he understood that that would get you further. Like, why step on the people next to you while you're doing something? You know, they're going to um, they gonna always be against you. But if you tell them, okay, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to let you do this, or we can all do this together, you know, that goes further than just a firm hand all the time. Right. I, I agree. Um, I want to segue into talking about the First Step Act a little bit. Um, we, we've seen that Kanye went to the White House to talk to Trump about this particular case, and Trump was the one that signed the First Step Act into law. What was that process like from your perspective, you know, 
watching Kanye be involved and watching at least something happening where you get more of a chance? Um, you know, that was, uh, man, that was a great thing. It, it gives hope for our situation. And, um, yeah, it just gave us hope for our situation, seeing that that may be able to affect him. And then when we looked into it, it was, you know, it was saying that it should be able to affect him. And as time went on, there was a lot of guys that was on his case and the First Step Act brought him home. And then he applied for the First Step Act and turns out that he's qualified for the First Step Act, but it's left in the judge's discretion on whether he should be released or not. Like as far as what the First Step Act deals with and the amount of drugs and what have you for the case that he was on, like he qualifies to come home, but through the judge's discretion, because he's worried about certain issues, he's not sure if he should be released. Yeah. So and yeah, we're just basically trying to get the judge to understand that he's not interested in criminal activity. If he's interested in anything at all, is changing my father. I mean, changing what's going on out here in the community. You know, the people that are out here speaking for him or claiming that you know, just running around hollering GD and Gangster Disciple are not speaking on his behalf. They're speaking on their own behalf. They're speaking on lack of information. Like, some people were unaware of the changes that were made, the changes that were starting to be made, you know, and they holding him responsible for that. Like, he's he's 71 years old. Well, he'll be 71 in a couple of days. He's not interested in getting out here to get in the streets and be some type of crime lord or something, you know? So we need the judge to understand that he's not a threat to the community. He may be an asset to the community. Right. And based on, you know, everything that I've heard from you in, in other interviews or just all the information in general, it seems like people that have been through a hard life or people that understand what evil is essentially are the ones mm -hmm. that make the best leaders not yeah. just people that are kind of naive to leadership or, or what, what is good and what is evil. But I want to ask you what you think about, um, again, you know, Kanye's impact on this by having the artist Ruga out in Atlanta uh, for the listening party, having him perform the anthem, you know, that promotes a certain narrative to the youth and, and they start chanting, like you said. Um, yeah. Do you think that contributes in a positive way or what was like the thinking behind that particular move? No, I don't really think the anthem contributes in a positive way. I was just happy that it wasn't um, as negative as it could be. You know, he, I don't believe he felt like he was doing any harm when he did that song and you could perceive it in different ways, but you, you know, that the, um, the powers to be are going to perceive it as something negative, but he was just pretty much saying that, you know, they don't let, they was proud of GD, which GD to me is growth and development all day, but being let through into the music industry pretty much, you know, they, it's an opportunity there. That's pretty much kind of what he was saying. And he was proud of that, but it's going to be perceived the wrong way. So, if I might not have done it, I don't think my father would have wanted it to be done, but it, but it's there. They didn't know. Um, 
they didn't attack anybody on the song. They didn't disrespect anybody. It was just pretty much an anthem. I'm proud to 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 be a part of this. Like the whole thing from Gangster Disciple to growth and development was evolving into growth and development. And it takes time for people to evolve from one thing to the other. They didn't want us to evolve from Gangster Disciple to growth and development because then they have to answer to all these young men out in the street um, demanding, you know what I mean, demanding some things, demanding some change, demanding opportunity. So, you know, it's it's a whole it's a whole growth before you become a, from gangster disciple to growth and development. And, you know, I don't think it was any harm meant by it, even though it's probably some harm done with it. But, yeah, he's, you know, he's still growing and evolving. Right now, with him being in the music business, as long as he's not attacking anybody, that's growth and development. That's what my father wanted to see. He wanted to get into the music business. We were trying to. We used to do concerts and what have you. You know, we definitely wouldn't get in the music business and then start promoting violence and putting our artists in situations where their life were at risk. You know, that would be backwards. That's not growth and development. But getting into the industry and making a way for other individuals behind you to get into the industry, you know, that's that's what growth and development is. Not just the music industry, but just being a part of businesses and building your own community and making changes for your life and leading the way for your kids and the rest of your family. That You know, that's what it's all about. Yeah, growing and developing, as you said. Um, what do you think about the glorification of street life or gang culture in, in today's time? Especially, I mean, this is a little dated, but, you know, you mentioned you didn't like Rick Ross talking about Larry Hoover, your father, in, in that song, and then talking about whip and work right after but what do you think about the glorification of that life and how that influences the younger people in our generation? Well, I really believe that um, the glorification of it is part of the problem. It's like if you learn your ABCs or you listen to love music, like it really plays a part in your psyche when you keep hearing things over and over and over. And then you keep seeing things as far as in movies over and over and over. Then you play video games over and over and over. It's like you're being programmed to get into this negative activity along with the fact of lack of opportunity in your communities and feeling helpless. The fact of adults that are older, you, older than you telling you that you know, I mean, there's not much opportunity. You know, kids are out here and they're giving up before they even try. It's not possible. Nothing is going to happen. And, you know, the the music, I believe it could be used a different type of way. I believe entertain, the other entertainment could be used in another manner. But the glorification of it is horrible because it's, it's people dying. Like, it's, it's just time to stop. It's not a, it's not a good outcome. Like, people won't, don't tell the whole story. You know, they give false narratives of how easy it is, and all you got to do is get out here, and you're going to be rich, and that's the only way, and that's the best thing to do. But they don't really tell, like, you know, how much life is lost and that life doesn't have to be lost and that guys go to jail and their mother died, their father died, their brothers died, and they're not there for it. Their kids die, you know? Like... 
there's no real benefit in this violence that's out here. There's no benefit, not no real benefit. There's no benefit to this violence that's out here in the streets. And, you know, we need to stop it. And if we can change a little bit of it through entertainment, because we have the ears of our youth and other people in our community and different communities, I think we need to use it to make some changes more than use it to keep talking about murder, 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 kill, 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 sell, sell, sell sex 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 you know a lot of it is just because that's what sells at the moment and when when you identify a formula and you realize if i talk about certain things or if i look a certain way or if i act a certain way i'm more likely to make money i'm more likely to get out of my situation and i kind of understand that as well right like as somebody who who doesn't have much if you can play a character in in a movie that anyone can play in essentially if you're good enough you can get out of your situation. It's easy to gravitate, but it's hard to stay authentic and true to yourself and, and be genuine and be, you know, positive and, and, and be mindful of how you impact other people. I want to ask you in your life, you know, what has allowed you to have humility and what has allowed you to be authentic and true to yourself as opposed to just giving into the, the world that essentially you were you were born in? The truth of the matter is my best friend was killed when I was young and I was trying to make a decision that I want to try to do something about it or did I want to move on? And I thought like, if I go respond to this situation, what's going to happen? Am I going to win or am I going to lose? Am I going to go to jail? You know what I mean? I had, I was already seeing people locked up that seemed like they were never coming home. Like maybe everybody didn't have this opportunity, but by the time my best friend was killed and I was what 16, 17, I knew large numbers of individuals that were in jail and seemed to seem like they were never coming home. And the fact that my father, you know, he told me to go sit down. I went to Catholic school, which helped build on my morals and having common sense, like common sense doesn't come naturally to people, but, you know, I feel like I had, I was pretty decent with it. And um, I don't know, it was just kind of in me, just to be a laid back individual, kind of guy that thinks, thinks about others, not just myself. Like it's just, it was just kind of natural along with having my father in my ear and, you know, going up through more situations. Like, it didn't make me a genius because I went to Catholic school, but I did have a good understanding of right and wrong. And my father, even though he was in the streets, he understood right and wrong in fairness. So I just, it was passed on to me. And what were some of the things that uh, when you were communicating with your father, what were some of the things that he was telling you? Or, you know, I'm like, what, what was that relationship like? Because you were born after he was already in prison, correct? Right. So what was that relationship like growing up for you? Well, the relationship was pretty much as, as, as I got of age when I can remember, and even before I could remember, like weeks and weeks of my life, I went to jail and I was going to visit. And because he was in jail and I was out here, he wasn't really a super disciplinary for me. 
I mean, it was always a good thing to see my father. He, I think he made effort to make sure we enjoyed each other when we seen each other. And plus I was a, I was the kid that listened, you know, he didn't really have problems out of me because if he told me something, I respect what he told me. So we just had a, a good relationship. And as I got older, you know, he was interested to know what I was doing and what was going on in my life as a father should be. So we kind of, you know, he was living through me. What What are you doing? And I tell him I'm playing basketball. And he talked about how he used to play basketball. And, you know, we just did father and son things the best we could for the situation that he was in. And it was always more of a, I didn't get in much trouble with him. And maybe that was because I listened, but it could have been partly because he knew that he was there and I was here and he didn't want to put a strain on our relationship if he was too hard on me. But not that I didn't get in trouble at all, but yeah, it was just a, it was a good relationship. It's just that he could never come home. Right. And we really hope that he can, um, as you, as you go around talking more about it, providing insight to people and clarifying misconceptions about how he's perceived um, you know, he's perceived based on the legend that, the legend that he is, Hooper. right? And yeah. the reality is known to people that are around him most. So what are some misconceptions, and we can close out with this, that people have of your father that you have been able to see past and see the truth behind? Well, misconceptions are that one that he's making the calls on what's going on out here in the streets. They know for a fact that he's in ADX, which is the top of the federal prisons, and he's in the basement in the cell 23 hours a day, and he's not making calls out here on the street, that he's interested in coming home and taking control of taking control of the streets. The fact that um that he hasn't changed. That's 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 one of the biggest misconceptions. He was changing before he got put in this situation. And if he hadn't changed, who would be locked up 23 hours and one and want to come home and get back to the streets and do something where it's a chance that you would get sent back to that place? Like people don't understand. If you go in your bathroom and close the door and you stay there. Stay there all day. Stay there for two days. Keep staying there. Stay there for a year. Stay there for two years. And this has been going on with him for 25, 26 years. Like, who would be interested in doing crime after this time? Like, is it a such thing as redemption? Like, how do other people qualify to have a second chance? But he doesn't because he just, like, they got to understand that there's no proof, but it's really like it's that he has the power to lead. That's a problem. Not the not the criminal activity that he might be able to do that he's not interested in doing. Like the misconception is that he wants to come home and disrupt peace and harmony in the streets. It's not peace and harmony in the streets. He wants to make peace and harmony in the streets. You know, so to see him as the the quote unquote leader of the gangster disciples that wants to run the underworld. 
it's not true. That's the the biggest misconception. He's not interested in that. He's he's mortified to hear what's going on out here in these streets. How these kids are getting killed and these um people that that are not involved in what's going on are being harmed. Like, yeah, this is horrible to him. He can't even understand it. He he can't even really think of how how did it get like this and how is it actually like how is it out there in the world for real? And you think with his ability to influence, he'll be able to at least try to bring some order back into the community? I mean, I believe that, yeah, I believe he would He would try to make an effort to do that. He he can touch the people. Like, it's, it's a trickle-down effect. It's not a, a simple answer. Like, you have, he can influence the people that can influence the ones that are involved in it. He might not be able to just reach out to them, and some of them he would be able to reach out to and influence, but he can influence the people that can influence them. He can maybe tell people, get to some of the guys with the influence and make them use it the right way. I mean, he, you know, he's a leader. You know, people listen to him for <laughs> whatever reason. He's he's a leader. He has that charisma, you know? Yeah, and using it for good can can turn out, you know, to be beneficial for the community, especially given what is currently happen, uh, happening. But I appreciate your time. What can we do or what can the listeners, anyone, what can we all do right now to support this, to help in any way? Well, right now at this point, what we're doing is putting a message out there. Know that there's uh, some disjustice being done and passing it along. When we get to the point of when we can unite and do something in particular, you know, we're working with the attorneys to figure out exactly what it is we need to do as a unit. Uh, I want to reach out to you and put that information back out there. You can follow um, the Larry Hoover project just to see what's going on. That's about prison reform. You can follow me at Larry Hoover Jr. Underscore on Instagram, just to stay aware of our movement, but when it gets to the point where we need to make that big move, you know, we go, we go let everybody know. Also, if you're in Atlanta, we have a Larry Hoover day in Fulton County, Georgia. And it's on November the 30th, we go service the community in the name of Larry Hoover. And then, um, we're pushing for this big event to show togetherness in California. So that's with Drake and Kanye. So I did want to ask you about that as well. Um, I saw a video, I believe, on Kanye's Instagram mm-hmm. with, with Jay Prince, and he was reading off of the phone, um, kind of talking to Drake. And then you obviously did a, a a feature on TMZ talking about the same thing. You know, what is the inspiration behind bringing them together? And, you know, do, do you think that it's possible? Like, do you think it's working? Uh, we're working at it. It looks like it's a it's it's very possible, and it's close to happening. I mean, those are both you know good individuals, and the inspiration behind it was my father, and that's just showing what he would use his influence to do to bring people together. To like that would that would set an example for other individuals. Like once you're in the music industry and you're at the top of the world, you the guys that you are the guys that can make change for the people in your community, other guys. Like, 
cut the beef out, come together, put yourself in position to, to put other people in position and not have to worry about being in harm's way. Go to different cities and have people love you instead of people trying to get you. You know what I mean? So he's just showing how he would use his influence to bring people together. And the fact of people coming together, you know, it would change some lives. You know, there's no need to be on top of the world and then be at war and then doing it in front of the world. So you have no chance to, you don't want to turn back because it happened in front of the world. So now you have to respond. This thing goes on and on and it spirals out of control. Like, that's, we, we don't understand that. Like, it doesn't have to happen like that. Like, get off the train. Yeah. Don't, go, don't go for the train wreck. Just go ahead, get off the train. Right. It's a lot of ego dynamics, power dynamics. And yeah. honestly, like, you would probably obviously know more of the insights than I do or, or people from the outside. But it's a lot of, like, at least what I've, as a, as a, as a consumer of, of rap music or as a fan of those those artists, from the outside, I see that they try and it never works out. They can, they, you know, they try and it doesn't work out for whatever reason. It's all these jabs being thrown all over the place, and it's just when Kanye speaks about, um, you know, humans, civilization, all of us as 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 one race and like, and not not as one race, but as you know, as the human race rather, and right. just doing better for the community. It's still interesting to see someone like that have an ego and want to respond in a certain way or, you know, be defensive sometimes when the other person's attacking yeah. you. And it's just interesting. Like, I think this is very powerful. The concert will bring a lot of things together because if they can come together, then, you know, what else? Like, they're the biggest ones. Yeah. Yeah. That's like I said, that's Prince and Michael Jackson. That's the that's the togetherness that we never seen not saying that they had a, a big problem with each other but you know they they're on that type of platform you know have you been able to talk to both of them about this or is it through different people well i've talked to both of them but yeah i've talked i've talked to both of them i'm i'm more in contact regularly <laughs> with yay more than i am with drake but you know, we have Mr. Prince, we have a liaison in the middle that deals with both of them, you know, and yeah, we stay, we stay in contact back and forth and they understand what importance, I mean, the importance of it and what it could bring. We just have to get them to come all the way together on it, like different little jabs and what have you doesn't help the situation at all. Absolutely. I appreciate it, sir. Um, thank you again. And I'll put everything in the description where they can follow you, the Larry Hoover Project, um, and anything else as, as things update. I really appreciate this. All right. Thank you. Yeah.